Frank Vogel introduced as Phoenix Suns head coach on Tuesday. I was there on today's episode of Locked on Suns. I'll give you my takeaways on that press conference as well as three key ways that Frank Vogel differs from Monty Williams and why that matters. Let's go. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. You are, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen to get the lowdown on the Vogel Press Conference. Wherever you're finding us, whenever you're finding us, Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, hit follow, hit subscribe, get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday, become an everyday or get locked onto your favorite team each and every weekday. You can also follow along at Locked On PHX Suns, get the latest on this team, get the latest shows posted there, send your mailbag questions in, engage with our growing audience of loyal, dedicated, diehard Suns fans. That's a great place to do that. Today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, I was a bystander at the Frank Vogel press conference today. I did not ask a question. I thought everybody who did that did a very good job. I did not see any gaps that I necessarily needed to fill in. I just try to give you my thoughts on these things. I know that I'm not there to be... Mr. Reporter Man, I got a flat tire on the way. AAA had to pick me up a mile from my house and tow me like a, like a, a schmuck. And so I'm finally here. I'm finally ready to give you those thoughts. Um, and I wasn't planning to do the show in the Vogel versus Monty kind of way. And I, I don't think it'll come across that way anyway. But as I was sitting there listening, that's just really what came across. And it, it was really three main things. So let's start with the first one, which is uh, the... The return to the the motif, the theme, the the repetition of the phrase toughness, scrappiness, scrap, whatever you want to point to, he said a lot of things like that. And I think obviously, I mean, I've been talking about that. We had Brandon Duenas on the show on Mondays, on Monday as we always do, and and we were talking about defense and size and physicality and and the centers that he's been able to work with and, and all these different things. So it's not exactly like it caught me off guard to hear that, but it was just how consistently it came up, both from uh, James, but also from uh, from Vogel. And what I would say is, do I think that Monty Williams, if, if you were to play the Monty Williams press conference from 2019, I mean, I did a podcast that day too. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing this show for uh, a very long time, for somebody who doesn't feel old enough to be doing anything for a very long time. But I was there, and I would imagine that I gave you a pretty, anybody who's still listening, I gave you a pretty excited dispatch that day as well. Probably more excited than this one. I'm sure that Monty Williams talked about playing intensely. We know his big thing was force. All that stuff came out. But I guess where, I'm, where my head went listening to Vogel repeat that idea so much today was what we saw on the court, you know? It's hard for me to imagine that Matt Ishbia, James Jones, whoever was part of these interviews, 
was not thinking of how the Suns frankly just rolled over the past two years. And I would even include the finals when you're really talking about toughness and physicality. They weren't able to match that from Giannis, right? Uh, in the 2021 finals. And so I guess how it, how it has looked has not felt like toughness was of the utmost priority or at least just didn't come out of this team when it needed to. And it's an, it's an easy buzzword to throw around, right? You may, you may feel like it's, it's just, um, it's just what he's saying now. He's going to have to show it, but it's also one of the things about those Lakers teams that I think I, I'm optimistic he can bring to Phoenix. And so it wasn't just what he said, but I also think, again, just like we're talking about how the Suns looked in practice, showing us rather than telling us, I think Vogel has shown that that, if nothing else, is going to be present for his teams, right? That if nothing else, they are going to come out with an intensity, a physicality, a toughness, a scrappiness that will, will, will manifest on the court and matter. Right. And so I hope that that's what happens. Right. I mean, you just look at that, that 2020 finals and it was, you know, everybody from Alex Caruso to Kyle Kuzma to LeBron and AD just in the Miami Heat players jerseys, turning defense into offense and just leveraging the size and, and physicality that they had to really own the, the tenor of the games. And honestly, I think of this year's finals, to be, to be frank, like, you know, what Aaron Gordon did in, in the first quarter of game one, what Jokic did throughout game two, what I would even say guys like Kyle Lowry and you know, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and whoever did with the way that they were able to play defense on a lot of the Nuggets role players in game two. The, the thing that Miami and Denver, despite both of them being interesting, not the favorites to come out of their conferences, maybe surprise, although I wouldn't call the number one seed Nuggets a surprise to make the finals, but what they have in common, despite their differences, is they play with a level of intensity and physicality, and, and they play pretty big, although I guess you would obviously say that the Heat don't have the typical size, but Lowry's big for his position. Butler, bam, you know, Caleb Martin plays with that physicality, etc. That matters. I think you have to have that in the modern NBA. The Suns have the talent and the players to do it. They have Josh Okogie. They have TJ Warren. They have these role players who can do that. It just hasn't shown up. And it needs to. And I think that was a big takeaway with, with Vogel today. And building off of what he's already proven himself to be as a coach. The other thing that came to mind that has stuck with me uh, throughout my uh, being towed experience and everything else uh, today is the championship pedigree. The embrace of that pressure and the constant reference to how this move corresponded to this new chapter of Suns basketball 
Talked about it a little bit yesterday, but Vogel really hammered it home, and I want to dive into that next. First, today's show brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, and Game Time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Trying to buy, I told you about the Padres tickets in San Diego. Now I'm, uh, I checked that off the list, but the Padres are coming to Phoenix in August, and I would like to be there. Check game time. There are plenty of options. Going to keep an eye on prices. Going to make sure I get what I need. You can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive on game time. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps in your set. Then tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email or try to find something uh, very old. Obviously, no printing anything out. We're not in the Stone Age. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the code Locked On NBA for twenty. Dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on NBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Keeping it rolling. Frank Vogel introduced his son's head coach. We talked about the toughness that he's shown, that he spoke of. Let's talk about the championship mindset that he spoke about, that he is obviously proven to have by way of, uh, overachieving with his teams in Indiana and then winning a championship with a lot of pressure on him as the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. It's probably overly simplistic to go ahead and say that, you know, I guess I don't value the idea that Frank Vogel has won a championship in and of itself as some sort of proof that he's a a superior coach to somebody like Monty Williams. I mean, I think I've maintained that throughout this entire search process, that somebody like Nick Nurse, somebody like Frank Vogel, somebody like Doc Rivers, who won one even longer ago, that by itself, even Ty Lue, who I obviously sang the praises of and still think, you know, anybody who could have gotten him would have been the winner of this coaching cycle. All of those guys have all won rings, but that wasn't the sole reason why I believed that they would be the right coach. And I didn't think all of them would be the right coach. And so I'm not just saying that there's a championship mindset just because Frank Vogel can wave a a ring in front of us and show it off and flex on all of us. I'm I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is absorbing the embrace of this moment in this franchise's history that Vogel seems to frankly relish. And again, when we're talking about the differences between Vogel and Monty, it can be reductive to criticize Monty for exactly what he did that was needed. Right? He came in and he built a a culture, built a program, turned young players like Cam Johnson, who wasn't even there when he got here, um, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and others. Kelly Oubre played, uh, had his best years, had his best year under Monty, et cetera, et cetera. Campaign, right? He took all of that, to, all of them, all of this, things that this organization needed to the next level. I think that it's totally reasonable, and I have crit- criticized Monty for not evolving and and moving beyond that, right? And 
as much as you never know where that comes from, it's obviously easy to say in hindsight, this is exactly the type of opportunity that you get when you decide to make a change, right? It's the opportunity that you get to reset the direction and the, I guess, message coming from the coaching staff. Monty's getting paid. He's, he's more than taken care of. But Vogel seems ready to take the next step, and he's, he knows what he's signing up for, right? He talked about that coaching LeBron and AD with as much pressure as there was on all of that to work coming off of Luke Walton, coming off of the AD trade, that and coming off of in that search as well. I don't know if people realize this, but Vogel was, you know, maybe the third or fourth choice there. Monty was in that search, Ty Lue was in that search, and even Jawan Howard was a pretty prime candidate before he ended up going to Michigan. All three of those guys, the public perception was that they were ahead of Vogel and that it ends up being Vogel. He talked about having a PhD in I think he called it like superstar relationships, right? He was asked if he, uh, you know, thinks it's overstated the level of pressure that there is um, with bringing this organization its first championship or if he embraces it. And he said, I think he, I think he responded to the do you embrace it part as hell yes, he embraces it, you know? And he talked about how it's going to be hard. It's going to be work. It's, it's going to require luck, but like everything that Vogel talked about, he, I mean, he was asked directly a lot of questions because that's just where the expectations are for this team. But he also intentionally and purposefully returned the conversation there during the press conference repeatedly. I think we are at a point where it is time to run everything as if it's going to be for the purposes of competing for a championship. And I sat here in this chair, in this room, doing this show and told you Saturday night after the Suns got eliminated on a Thursday, when Monty Williams got fired 48 hours later, I sat right here and I told you, the number one thing that I think you can criticize Monty for, and sorry for messing with my hair, YouTube audience, um, blew around in the wind during my, uh, my toe. Um, the number one thing you can criticize Monty for, and, and the number one thing that I think you would want in a new head coach, is to utilize every moment of every day from the beginning of training camp through game whatever it takes of the postseason run, approaching it all with the goal being a championship. You can say that that's the goal, and obviously coming off of a finals appearance and a 64-win season and a Game 7 loss in embarrassing fashion to Dallas, obviously the Suns approached all of last season knowing that that was the goal. But there's a difference between knowing that it's the goal and operating as if it is the end the job, right? As if it is the ultimate job of everybody in the building. That is from everything. That is uh, from the load management and training staff approach to, I mean, I would even include, you know, being humble enough and, and aggressive and eager enough with your coaching staff to bring in guys like Fizdale and Kevin Young. 
I would say that that is something where, you know, if they bring back a Darius Baisley, a Josh Okoge, don't leave them on the bench until, in Okoge's case, halfway through the year when injuries hit, or in Baisley's case, forever. Don't leave any stone unturned. And so that's what I really liked about how Vogel discussed the job at hand. Again, it's hard. I think James Jones has had a tough time turning the page on what his his old job was to what his new job is in terms of team building. It's not assemble a nice supporting cast for your young core to bring them along. It is now aggressive guerrilla warfare toward building a championship roster that will be suited for playoff wins. And Monty just struggled with that. Well, James Jones kept his job. We'll see if he can do that. It's not going to be too long before that is put to the test. Uh, The draft is 16 days away. Free agency is about a week and a half after that. But Vogel seems like that will be his approach. Every day of every month of every season is what are we doing to maximize our likelihood of winning a championship from the players to the staff to how much rest and all of it. I think that's needed. I think that's a huge part of what this reset was allowing the Suns to pull off. And I think from what we've heard from Vogel, we'll have to see it in action. You got to feel pretty good about it. The last thing that I think just straight up, there's no way to beat around the bush on that Vogel presents that will be different than Monty Williams is the opportunity to develop a more solid relationship with DeAndre Ayton, who certainly seems like a solid candidate to remain in Phoenix. We'll talk about what Vogel said about the big man next. First, another quick break. Closing out the show, talking about the former number one overall pick, the much maligned, much discussed, controversial, polarizing center for the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton. So Vogel was asked multiple questions point blank about Ayton, but before he did any, got asked any of those, he brought Ayton up himself and talked about the excitement that he had over being able to bring more out of Ayton. And, uh, this is going to be kind of interesting. It's a little bit of an aside, but it, it pertains directly to what Vogel said about Aiton. And James Jones even repeated himself today because he was asked about, you know, how do you go about developing some of the back of the bench, you know, back of the roster guys in a different way? Or, you know, what's your approach on continuity versus reset there? And, and James Jones, too, you know, he's nothing if not consistent. And he said, we are... Not going to talk about the roster. And then Vogel, you know, seems to just also maybe, and this comes from being covered by LA media, being the coach of the Lakers. You don't get the, you don't get the, the space and the grace to not address things. And so Vogel was pleasantly open with a lot of this. And so what he said about Aiton from the jump was, He said his view of the Suns' defensive potential, quote, starts with DeAndre Ayton and his rim protection ability and potential to get better. Uh, All all of my biggest quotes from the press conference were at Brendan Clean 14 on Twitter, if you want to read through some of these. And then he said later, 
He believes Deion Drayton can be one of the best centers in the NBA and wants to, quote, really connect with him and, quote, restore him as an all-star level player. I can't help but feel like some of the way that he talked about Aiton in particular was pretty purposeful. I think that, that Vogel has to have an awareness. It's an open secret. Everybody has, you know, casual fans of other teams know that, that this relationship between Monty and Aiton was, was a problem. And so obviously Vogel would have come in knowing that. And I can't help but feel like the way that he spoke about this stuff was a message to the fan base, probably regurgitating things that he had already said to James Jones and to Matt Ishbia, and probably a message to DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if they've spoken. He didn't have he didn't reference that particular uh, specifically because he was asked about uh, Chris Paul, or he was asked about Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant if he spoke with them, and he said yes. He didn't get asked about that from an Ayton standpoint, but that's as straightforward of a doubling down of your commitment to Aiton as there is. And it kind of makes me wonder if it's just, it, it's just an under, it was just an understood part of this whole thing that once the Suns, once Ishbia and Jones decided to move forward with Vogel, that it was, I don't want to say a package deal, but it was just sort of like, if we go with this guy, we're keeping Aiton, you know? Maybe it was assumed that they were going to keep Aiton, period. But I just, I can't help but listen to this. There's no reason to call it out in such specific terms if you're not going to go out and work with the guy. It'd be very strange if you had these types of outward praise for him and and just direct specific descriptions of how Vogel anticipates Aiton helping this team. And then two weeks, three weeks, four weeks from now, he's just gone. It could happen. I mean, sports are crazy. Things change. If they get a major awesome offer, obviously they're not going to say, well, Frank said such and such at the press conference, so we got to keep him. I don't think that's going to happen. But it would surprise me. Now, what does that mean? What I hope that it means is, again, it is just the byproduct of making a change in and of itself. There's a world in which Vogel simply not having a negative relationship with Aiton, which seems to be what Monty had, can be a positive. It's not even that he needs to be DeAndre Ayton's best friend. I think that there are very clear built-in limitations to how trusting a coach can be in a player who has shown a fundamental, inconsistent, fundamentally inconsistent motor and lack of effort that is noticeable to fans, let alone teammates and and coaches. It's hard. There's a limit to how much a coach is going to embrace a guy like that. I I just, there's no way around that. I'm not, I don't think I'm being unfair by saying that. That's been the knock on Aiton dating back to people who scouted him in high school all the way through right now, this instant coming off of this playoff run. It's undeniable. And so I don't know if Vogel will be the number one champion of champions for DeAndre Ayton in this organization and be sitting in every meeting saying, let's keep the big man. He's a superstar. He's our, our top, you know, he's a part of our big three. Don't get rid of him. He's our end all be all everything. But there's a version where Vogel is simply a believer and has a neutral relationship. And then the most important thing is that Vogel just brings the most out of him talent wise, right? And 
that's what that's all that I'm hoping for. That's that's the most you can hope for, I think. Simply using Aiton's potential and talent at a higher level will go a long way for this team. Aiton is somebody where if you watch, I'm not going to say that he's exactly all of these players, but just to throw some out, in terms of the versatility that we've seen them be able to have, right? It has been huge for the teams in the NBA who have versatile defensive big men throughout this postseason. Bam Adebayo, Anthony Davis, Robert Williams. I'm sure there are more that I'm not remembering. Mitchell Robinson, I would even say. Maybe not, maybe not the most versatile defender, but was able to make a big impact on games. If you have a player like that who can really change games as an interior paint protector and be versatile in terms of, in Robert Williams' case, when he was out on the perimeter guarding Jimmy Butler, that was a noticeable advantage for Boston. With Bam Adebayo, the ability to switch, the ability to move, uh, with Anthony Davis, the IQ to know where and how to be a helper and to shot block like nobody else in the NBA, right? All of those things can be significant strengths for your team, and Aiton has that potential. That is the single biggest thing that he has improved upon and changed that, that has caused me to have to change my view of him. And if there's any case that you're making for why he's a max player, and can fulfill the potential of his contract and can be a positive for this team in a way that he was not last year, it's defense. I know that might sound crazy to people. Move on from him being a jump shooter. Move on from him being a face-up scorer like DeAndre Ayton. I think, or <laughs> like Amari Stoudemire is what I meant to say. Maybe that comes. I don't think that it can consistently, but maybe it can be more often. What I can, what I think can be consistent, what I think can is a bankable expectation to have of Vogel is that he can at least turn Aiton into a defensive difference maker like the guys that I listed off. Maybe not Davis. He's a generational talent. But those other two is within reach to me. Bam, Robert Williams. Aiton has the potential to be as impactful as those guys. He has the potential to be a, you know, all defense second team type of player next year under Vogel. And so maybe they should keep him. If the trades aren't good if they think if Vogel presented a vision to this brain trust of how Aiton can get used and they liked it and they think it can make them a better team and, and more playoff ready and, and all of these things by all means go ahead and do it you know the best trade that I could come up with in my best case scenario offseason was Terry Rozier Cody Martin and a top 10 protected first round pick from the Hornets you know that was largely like let's reduce the salary get a, a playoff guard in Rozier and get a future asset and a first round pick. If you're telling me that Aiton turns in a season next year that is all defense, second team worthy, go for it. Keep him. And Vogel gave an impression to me and everybody sitting there today that he sees that as possible and kind of that it's a goal of his. More power to him. More to come on Frank Vogel. We'll have Aaron Edwards here tomorrow to give his thoughts on all of it. And uh, Tim, I can't, I don't know the guy's last name. That's so embarrassing. Uh, Krangis McBasketball on Twitter. You might know him. He runs the Basketball Index, which I've cited the stats from on this show often. He will be coming on the show to give you the tech, 
tactical breakdown of everything that Vogel did with the Lakers and even before that and why he's such a uh, respected defensive mind. So that'll be the rest of the week. Hit follow, hit subscribe, become an everydayer, get all those shows and more throughout the offseason. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow.